Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Mike Force Podcast. It is, of course, your host, Mike G, back on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Big shout out to everybody who listens to the podcast. If it wasn't for your viewership on YouTube, if it wasn't for your listenership on everywhere where podcast is found, then I wouldn't be able to do this. Thank you so much. If you're listening to this, you could go to YouTube, the Mike Force Podcast, and watch it because we have changed up things a little bit. It's a little bit more colorful, a little bit more saturated. Uh, giving you a little bit more detail so I could do things like this, hold things up and you could see it, which I think is really cool, especially when we're talking about things that need a little bit of visual appeal in living your prep life. Got a great podcast for you. First, I want to talk about the tragic loss of a good friend named Neil Curry. Neil Curry, Casey Curry of Ready Gunner, uh, also owns the franchise of Black Rifle Coffee in Spanish Fork, is a near and dear friend. Uh, and tragically, he lost his life uh, recently on September 10th, uh, only a few days ago. I'm actually going to his viewing tomorrow. We'll be going to his funeral this weekend. Uh, it's a tragic loss for people, not industry, not business, just people in general. Um, I wanted to share a couple of stories with you about Neil because he, he made a profound impact in my life, as many other people's lives, and they'll be sharing their stories. I'd just like to share mine. Um, I met Neil years ago. You know, Neil served in Ranger Battalion, and we actually deployed together the same year in 2007 to Iraq. Neil was a contractor for multiple different companies, but also supported many agencies overseas. And then he started the company Ready Gunner, which is one of the most famous as far as pushing education, uh, educating and entertaining people. Uh, one of the most famous gun stores in America called Ready Gunner in Provo, Orm, Utah. And I say Provo, Orm because they're, they're right next to each other. And when I see all the people who have having profound impact in a positive way, Neil is certainly that man. Uh, his wife, Casey Curry, is also a significant part of that business and the success of that business, as well as all the positive things that they were doing together. I mean, they were very public on social media. They showed their lives inside and out, and they showed a lot of happy moments with their children. They have six kids, four from a previous marriage, two with Casey, but six children that Neil leaves behind. Uh, when I was going through difficult times, even in the situation with the separation of my baby's mother, that was a very difficult time for me. It still is, and Neil helped me navigate that in many ways. Also, um, me and Neil did charitable givebacks. You know, we did a, to a couple toy drives a couple years in a row, giving toys to charity in our local community. And it's something that's a mainstay of his life. I mean, that's something that Neil always was uh, very specific about in everything they do business-wise, they need to have a plan to give back. And he certainly did that in many ways, not only in his charitable donations, but also his time and also his kindness. I mean, he was one of the kindest men I've ever met in my life. He didn't have anything to say bad about anybody, uh, even people who I think deserve to be talked about in poor ways. Um, he just didn't waste a lot of time doing that. And, you know, a lot of people will focus on the why. Uh, a lot of people will focus on the tragedy itself. But I like to instead focus on the positive impact that a man like Neil made and will continue to make in his stories and the energy that surrounded him and the way that he affected people in many ways. My prayers go out to his family, to his close friends, 
Uh, I just checked my text string with him, and and just recently we were supposed to get together for a barbecue, and uh, I was going out of town for business, so I could I I couldn't make it, uh, and I regret that in a way. But I also know that Neil never judged anybody. He just wanted to be there for people, um, and 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 he was he was in every single way. Um, Neil Curry will miss you. The Ranger Regiment uh, has been notified they'll be sending some pallbearers, I believe, or people from the regiment to support uh, the family at the funeral. And all your friends will be there. All your friends from Black Rifle Coffee, from the gun shop, very close family relatives and friends will be there as we should be. Uh, You're a great human being and we appreciate you. And uh, we'll see you in the afterlife, man. All right. I want to talk about a couple of things that I've been collecting of recent in this bartering tactic all around preparedness. If you guys have seen the original post, it was on Mike Glover Actual. My Instagram, mike.a.glover, was deleted for a week because of a hunting post. My last podcast was talking about that hunt, came out of the field, bagged a six-by-six bull, provided hundreds of pounds of meat that is being processed here in local Heber City, Utah. That meat is for my employees, as well as the employees of Black Ruffle Coffee Company, to share and break bread. That's kind of how you do it. And then I posted about it talking about how humbled and honored I was, and uh, Instagram decided to delete it. Found out that the original post was deleted because my account was being moderated in, this time it wasn't India, it wasn't Ireland, it was Singapore. Singapore was managing it. So now you imagine a little bit how it works just for an inside scoop. So whenever your post is flagged, typically that comes from people reporting it. Now, people report my stuff all the time. What they don't realize is a lot of times I, I know who's reporting my stuff, but they report it because they own tactical companies and they want to get back at me. They think I'm a domestic terrorist, so they want to get back at me. They don't think I'm right enough uh, or extreme enough, whatever the case may be. They think I'm a bootlicker, which is the most recent uh, debacle. So they report me. And when that culminates, when that continues to drive the algorithm to flag me, especially with a popular account, they delete you and then do the investigation. You're guilty until proven innocent, right? So the detriment to most people's accounts is you'll never be able to get reassessed and they'll just delete it because they don't have the time. So it's, a, it's kind of an algorithm automatic process and then you make it a manual one when you actually ask them to investigate. But if they don't get to it, they don't get to it and who cares? They don't care about you. You're just another statistic, another number on their massive platform. So the reason YouTube doesn't do that a lot is because they make money off of you. I mean, the bottom line is they have a business plan. And if they continue to just auto-delete people based on reporting, based on false reports mainly, um, they would lose a lot of business. But Instagram, it's free. I mean, I, I understand it's a private business and I understand the privilege it is to be on the platform as a private business and utilize it. But I also operate within the confines of the rules. You won't see me deviating outside of those rules because I just don't want to get banned. I want to have access to a market where the majority of Americans are. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, the list goes on. So my post got flagged for one animal cruelty-ish post. Because I posed with an elk that was deceased. That, that's allowed, by the way. It's, it's not not allowed. But that was one of the reasons it was flagged. 
And the other reason was firearm sales, which my post never communicated the advocacy of a specific firearm, which I'm not afraid to do. I do it all the time. But in this particular post, it was a post saying, I'm honored and humbled. Thank you, Evan. Thank you, Black Rifle Coffee. Thank you to all my friends. Thank you to every company that supported me. And I listed what I killed the animal with, what I harvested the animal with, because that's important. I mean, people follow me because they go, hey, what's Mike using on his hunt? What's Mike using for tactical everyday carry? Whatever it is. So I was surprised because I'm like, well, that wasn't extreme. Sometimes I do posts where I'm like, ooh, this is riding the edge. I mean, the last time my account got deleted was because I talked about underground bunkers and said underground bunkers, which is true, is a Cold War tactic to reduce your signature and make you safer underground because of a nuclear threat, which isn't even true. I mean, if you have exposure to the air, which you will because you have to breathe air when you're underground, you're still exposed to radiation unless you have some radiation mitigation factors. But most underground bunkers are just that. They're just dug in the ground, and that's where you live. And I said in the post, I could kill you with a garden hose. Being facetious, I wasn't being like, I wasn't literally saying, I'm going to kill somebody with a garden hose. I was saying, you could be killed, or I could kill you with a garden hose, because it's not that difficult when you're buried underground. The reality is, if you want to protect yourself, get above ground. Use terrain features to get advantageous position and overwatch. But again, it doesn't matter because whatever the algorithm flags and then, then the manual process fails to uh, investigate means your account just will be deleted. Luckily, I have an insider who simply, he doesn't do anything special, by the way. He doesn't use ones and zeros and special code to manipulate anything. He just submits a review and then prioritizes it where they check it and they go, oh, yeah, this isn't illegal. The problem is it just keeps happening. It just keeps happening, which is one of the reasons why I migrated to Mike Glover Actual, because I don't try to put anything controversial, but it's only a matter of time. And we'll get into this whole American contingency debate, which has become bigger and bigger and bigger as of like last night uh, after I talk about the bartering thing. So I put out a, a statement and say, hey, I have honey and I have 100 pounds of it. And that honey is worth about $15, basically in the farmer's market. High-end honey is worth about $15 a pound or $15 per 16 ounces. Just a nice little tidy jar of honey. So when I sent this out, I said, look, I have honey, want to barter. And in the military, you barter all the time. You know, you barter over meals ready to eat. Like in ranger school, you'd be like, I have honey or I have peanut butter, want jelly. Or have jelly, want peanut butter. And you would announce it in a patrol base Usually not a tactical situation. Don't think I'm like, yeah, need peanut butter. No, you're not doing that. But I mean, in garrison in ranger school, I remember this was a big deal because if you didn't like jelly and you like peanut butter and somebody wanted to trade you, you could barter, you could swap and you could negotiate. The rest of the world trades like that. It's such a cool culture to trade, to barter. But Americans aren't used to that because it's like, this is how much it costs. If you don't like it, get the hell out of my face. Well, the rest of the world doesn't trade like that, and it's more merchant-based, right? It's a, a merchant working a shop. Somebody comes in, and you negotiate because you would rather make the sale at a cheaper cost with negotiation than miss the sale by conclusively saying, this is this much, and that's it. So I said, 
have honey, want whatever you got to trade. And so I went through a lot of DMs and I apologize. No, one, I apologize to a lot of people who I didn't get back to because it was overwhelming. But I did get a lot of feedback and I wanted to share with you some of the things that I traded honey for. Meridian Defense. I traded three AK-47 magazines. That's a pretty big deal. I mean, I am a big AK fan, but that is a pretty significant deal, okay? So three AK-47 mags. Got a letter, where's this letter at? From Skipper Customs Leather. I'll read this without trying to sound too cheesy because I don't want to say anything that maybe uh, he thought that this was private. I don't like doing that really, but first off, thank you for everything. Uh, Most of all, thanks for what you're doing. We need strong people this day and time. We have a little six family group that train together and plan together. Uh, We've all been members of American Contingency for a couple of years now. That's a huge deal. American Contingency is my community group. We'll talk about that in a second. We live about an hour north of Fayetteville and are hoping to get down and take some classes with Kevin soon. Kevin, Sean Kirkwood, now Kevin Estella, our uh, subject matter expert in all things survival, is in North Carolina at the Aberdeen office. Uh, My son is a competitive shooter, two-gun, and he loves Kevin Owens, watches his video, all the videos that he's in. He don't watch me? Okay. Well, as far as the belt goes, I think it turned out pretty good. I hope it fits. I normally measure them a little different, but if it doesn't, I will uh, remake it no problem. Also get some extra stuff, kind of sampler, if you will, my work. Do that stuff as you will. Barter it, give it away, use it, or pass it on around the office. I don't need or want anything in return. I'm willing to barter with you anytime. We are preparedness people too, so finding stuff to trade will not be a problem, I'm sure. Really cool. Check them out. Skipper Custom Leather. Skipper's Custom Leather. That's S-K-I-P-P-E-R-S, Custom Leather on Instagram. So beautiful leather. I mean, he made me a book before, a binder that he made for Jack Carr as well, I believe. These are coasters. How cool are those coasters? If you want to barter from, for some MG coasters, hit me up. I might keep a couple. I got three, so I might keep one or two because that looks like a good whiskey bourbon. Actually, I don't know if I'll... I'll <laughs> these are so cool. Um, very well made. But if you want to barter, hit me up at Mike Glover Actual. It's probably easier on Instagram or Mike.A.Glover, and we'll see what we can do. But got those, got this beautiful book that I'm using now for the podcast. This is my podcast notes book. Got a beautiful hand-tooled belt which I'm a big fan of leather belts, especially for everyday carry. We talk about that in the book. Look, I got this cool knife that's custom. It looks like, um, I don't know if you can see it, but it looks like, this looks like a, a Yemen knife. But I used it to open this male stuff, and it's got antler, wood, looks like some brass infused into it. And it looks like Damascus. You know, I don't know what Damascus is. I just made that up. I don't, I don't, I'm not a knife guy, but it looks like Damascus. Oh, big shout out to Montana Knife Company. If you guys got the Montana Knife, you're lucky because it sold out in a minute. But thank you for the support. It's one of my favorite knives for everyday carry and the utility of like survival knife. But it was intended to be that way anyway. Uh, appreciate all the support for, for everything. Also, I got a, a Condor knife. You know, Condor doesn't make that bad of stuff. But that's a cool like utility knife. This is all for honey. I got a... I don't know what that is. I think this is ghee. Oh, here it is. Enclosed, you'll find a two eight ounces of ghee, handmade and so by me. Handmade ghee. Uh, did you use your hands to make it? I found that when prepping carb sources are super easy to stockpile, but fat sources are more difficult. This batch was made very recently. You'll also find two four-ounce jars of my hand cream, 
It's made with shea butter, coconut oil, infused with green tea, beeswax, golden jojoba, argan oil, and rosehip oil. It is great for skin and hair. I added green tea essentials. I'm trying out plastic jars for hand cream. I was putting it in a glass jar, but I carry it with me in my backpack at work and was constantly afraid of breaking it. I'm stoked for you to try that stuff. I know that you are super busy, so I definitely don't expect anything. But if you have any feedback, it would be welcome. Big shout out to Steven Box. Thanks for that, brother. I appreciate that. And I'll be using it. It looks amazing. And I appreciate it. Also, got a book, Dictionary of Woodworking Tools. That's pretty badass. I like reference material, especially for all things preparedness. Thank you for that. This is pretty neat. I got silver. I got like four pieces of silver. This with an Indian head. And then one troy ounce of silver per coin. I got four of these coins. I like that. And I got ammo. Got some good old nine mil. I have to get, I think one of the guys dropped this off at the shop for me. And I got to get him some of that good old honey. So it's Heber City Honey. I still got a lot of it left. If you're interested in bartering with me, hit me up at Mike Glover Actual or Mike.A.Glover. Actually, let me make this easy because my personal assistant checks my email, so I don't have to worry about this. She'll have to worry about this. I apologize, Krista. Email me at Mike.Philcraft at gmail.com and in the subject line, put barter. And then I'll trade you honey. The way it works is whatever your dollar amount value is, I'll give you the equivalent of that and honey if I want it. You know, most things I want because it's cool to do this, but a lot of this stuff, it's like really good to have. Uh, knives, I can never have enough knives. Um, so I'll trade. Mike.Fieldcraft at gmail.com and in the headline, put barter. And um, a couple guys try to barter their wives um, and their ex-wives. I'm not currently accepting any additional women in that situation or men. But yeah, it's been a cool exercise. I thought it was really cool. So, I go on this hunt, and I wasn't reminded of this until after the fact, but I go on the hunt with Black Rifle Coffee, and there's a guy named Dirk Durham there. Also, I believe Evan Hafer's cousin, who's famous. Both these guys are famous. They're both world-renowned hunters, but I didn't realize that one of the guys that was with me was a professional world champion elk caller. Now, I'm not very good at elk calling. Until I had a class from Dirk Durham, his Instagram handle was The Bugler, and he taught me exactly how to do it, and supposedly I crushed it. I did very well. I'm using Phelps calls, so I'll pull out one right now just to demonstrate. You obviously have cow calls, and you have um, bull calls, but uh, let me go ahead and put this in. I'm not very good at that one. The gray one, which is the basic one, I'm not very good at. I'm better at like this, this intermediate one, which I believe is the red one. Let me try this one. It fits in my mouth a little bit better. I'm not very good at this today. <laughs> Let me see this one. Well, I suck. I promise I was better than that. It's kind of hard to do that cold. <laughs> but anyways, so this guy, Dirk Durham, teaches me elk calling. And I'm doing it with these amp elk calls and a Phelps uh, elk horn. Man, what a game changer for hunting. 
check them out. The Bugler Dirt Durham. Big shout out to Dirt Man. I, I apologize. I didn't know who you were. Went back, started watching your YouTube videos. I'm like, this guy taught me. He's like the best in the country. But it all ties back to this idea of preparedness and all these things that we need to be self-sufficient at. So yesterday, on the topic of all this, I get a couple notifications. One of the notifications I get is that there's been a letter. And this letter was released and written to Congress via uh, the congressman uh, who's the ranking member of the Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan, Representative Jim Jordan. And he says in this letter, the FBI's recent characterization of American contingency. So American contingency, just for anybody who's listened to this, who's like, what is that? It's a group I started a couple years ago on July 4th when all of this stuff was going on in the country uh, when President Trump was the president where there were specific things that were being ignored like the FBI, like federal organizations and, and state and local organizations weren't doing their job. And whether it was political or not, the reality is the people who paid for it were the people on the ground who were violently getting attacked by Antifa and BLM in supposed peaceful protest. So I started a community-based group to be able to lean on each other in civil unrest, natural catastrophes, and disasters so that we could depend on each other. And, you know, basically it's a community watch or community-based group that could lean on each other as assets. Because if we keep depending and being reliant on institutions that continue to fail us, then we're setting ourselves up for failure. So I started AmericanContingency.com where you could join, become a member. It's like $5 a month and it's free depending on the level in which you utilize the platform. It's hosted on an independent server because we got deleted off Facebook once the FBI released all of this information. So it says, the FBI's recent characterization of American Contingency as a domestic violent extremist organization is striking in light of new whistleblower disclosures that show that the FBI had concluded as recently as 2020 that the group was not a threat. According to the whistleblower information in July 2020, an FBI employee in Northern Virginia flagged American Contingency as a domestic terrorist group because Glover appears to be rallying individuals to take action and speaks about his distaste for how the government is handling the current situation in the U.S. and encourages people to join his cause. Notes made in the FBI's eGuardian incident reporting system reflected below show how the FBI rifled through Glover's life, obtaining his military records, his veteran's disability rating, and even his monthly disability benefit before concluding that American contingency desires to assist Americans in preparing themselves for catastrophic events and not to overthrow the United States government. A background investigation and review of Glover's social media failed to support the allegation that Glover is a threat to the United States or its citizens. On behalf, an authorized method description, an administrative note for informational purposes, an FBI agent literally wrote, Glover is a decorated veteran of the United States. His videos posted on YouTube.com and his military record attest to his patriotism for the United States. Glover desires to assist Americans in preparing themselves for catastrophic events and not to overthrow the United States government. A background investigation and review of Glover's social media failed to support the allegation that Glover is a threat to the United States or its citizens. Therefore, 
it is requested caption lead be closed for information only. Completed. The whistleblower information suggests the FBI opened an investigation into American citizens and deemed him a potential threat. Look, outside of the politics, let me dial you into what's going on. I have working relationships with law enforcement all over the country. I mean, it's, it's what I do. I train law enforcement for a living. A lot of the law enforcement classes that I teach, I don't advertise on social media because it's inappropriate for me to advertise it. A lot of times the guys don't want to be advertised. This isn't a marketing campaign because we certainly don't have to market law enforcement training. We do it all the time. I mean, we just trained the officers, some of the officers that were involved in Uvalde from Bortac. And we trained them in shields. Matt Vandy and, and Matt Shea trained them in how to use ballistic shields. Why? Because we criticized their inability to use shields or to get inside the breach point based on the situation that unfolded via the CCTV cameras in Uvalde. And they reached out to us and said, yeah, we need training on it. Good for them. Under constructive criticism to say, we need the training. So we trained them. So we train these guys routinely. Uh, I, I'm training two SWAT teams in the next uh, three weeks. We are advocates for law and order in this country. As a law-abiding citizen, that's what I want profoundly over anything. But there are fringe elements on both right and the left that want nothing but chaos, anarchy, and the collapse of our democracy. Because whatever their motivation is, that's the case. But American contingency is certainly not any of that. It's just not who we are. It's not who we, who we stand for, who we represent. The overarching objective for me is to make you more self-reliant by cutting you away from the institutional safe haven and sense of false security that you developed and evolved in that relationship. Like, I think it's always good when you try to reduce the size of government because the point of government is not to hold your hand. The point of government, I, I think the psychological effects that we're seeing right now translate into spikes in violent crime, spikes in mental health issues, in suicide, depression, the list goes on, is because of our missing purpose and drive and fending, thriving, and protecting our family. That's your job. You should get off your ass and go to work. You should find purpose in what you're doing for a living. You should love your family and your friends and your community. Uh, I did a tweet on my Mike A. Glover 1 Twitter handle, which sounds, I sound like a loser saying that a lot. I apologize. Uh, but I said, the biggest threat to everyone is you not depending on anyone. And it's true. Everybody who thinks that you're cutting away, whether it's the business, the institution, the friend, the supposed friend, the associate, whoever that is, they want you tethered to the system. One, because they want your vote. They want you to have buy-in. But the more they could assert your dependence, the more that they could assert their control. That's how this works. I mean, that's basic human psychology, right? So what we talk about American contingency, just like we do in Phil Krause Survival, and as, a, as I advocate as an individual citizen who owns a business in preparedness, I'm not trying to sell you anything, by the way. There's nothing to package and sell to you. I don't have a course curriculum that's virtually packaged that I could send out to you and say, you want to learn about being prepared? Here's it, the price, $9.99, pay me. It doesn't exist. All of the stuff that we put out when we talk about this philosophy, 
And then also the injection of this literally into your life is all free. So let me give you an excerpt from my book, which isn't free. <laughs> I like somebody commented on uh, me plugging Eddie Penny's book, a former dev group operator. And they were like, um, all this is, is a commercial. Well, like, I can't believe you're keep, you keep plugging people's stuff. It's like, that's kind of how this works. Like, if you want to read a book, you likely have to buy a book or go to your local library, which your taxpayers pay for. So let me read you a little bit, which is an excerpt. I don't even know if I'm allowed to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to read you the first paragraph of my book called Prepared that's coming out with Penguin Random House and give you a little kind of clue in to kind of how this is unfolding. Chapter five, Everyday Carry. As a special operations veteran in various U.S. Army counterterrorism units, my understanding of everyday carry considerations was always defined from and somewhat limited to an operational requirement and risk mitigation perspective. I knew what to wear and what to bring on every mission in order to achieve its objectives and to increase the chances of returning to base in one piece. If we were operating offensively at night, targeting bad guys and actioning targets, I knew I would need a specific EDC. Zip ties, ammo, flashbangs, night vision, grenades, spare batteries for my optic, accessible tourniquet, among other things. It wasn't until I left the military and joined the CIA as a global response staff officer that I learned how extensive and ever-present your everyday carry considerations could and should be. My first glimpse into this new understanding came during a rotation in a beautiful vacation destination known as Redacted. I was off duty walking around the base in a pair of flip-flops one afternoon when my boss came over to me and says, Mike, don't wear those on the base. He said, gesturing down to my flip-flops. I was confused. I knew the rules. I'd always known proper protocol whenever I was uh, in the army, but I'm not working right now, I said. On this base with only a handful of us, you're always working, he said, on duty or off. It clicked immediately and stayed with me long after I left GRS and moved into, pre into preparedness training in the civilian world. On that little base out there in the middle of the Wild West, surrounded by hostiles, by desert, by the unknown, we were our own first responders. If shit went down, it wasn't going to be a quick reaction force of the 75th Ranger Regiment. It was only a handful of guys, and every one of us needed to be able to shoot, move, and communicate as quickly and as effectively as possible if we wanted to survive. Every detail mattered. Everything we carried had a very specific and intentional purpose. And that leads into the topic on being a citizen in your everyday carry. Super pumped about the book, about educating Americans about the idea of being better prepared. I went to the Land Cruiser Heritage Museum in Salt Lake City over the weekend where I was a guest speaker. Thank you so much, Kurt Williams and the founder of the museum for allowing me to come out there and speak to everybody. Not often do I get to speak in front of people at a land cruiser or overland type event about the idea of preparedness. But it's cool because, you see, preparedness isn't just about buying a tourniquet or an everyday carry pistol. It's not about the tactics. It's, it's not about any of that. Most profoundly, it's about all of that combined, which makes you a better citizen, a more responsible citizen, and a more productive member of your community. That's the overarching point. So when I, when I did the speaking engagement about the Land Cruiser stuff, it was about my experiences in and around the world using Land Cruiser, but it was also about what a Land Cruiser specifically does. Like Kurt Williams and the team at the Land Cruiser Heritage Museum will tell you, the Land Cruiser is the vessel that gets you an opportunity 
to explore, to adventure, to get outside and get off your phone and do something exceptional in your life. That's the whole point of preparedness. I mean, the preparedness purpose and mission for me is not about the revenue stream that comes from tactical training. It's about the community that we're building based on, on something really positive. I mean, the politics want to make it negative because they're in fear. The tactical competition, who's in fear of me taking over the market, which isn't the case, by the way, gets toxic. The competition and product gets threatened. The left, the right, the fringe, all of these people lose their mind. While when you look at the purpose and mission of what we're accomplishing every single day, um, stays the same. It's a positive experience. We're making people more prepared. And it's something that I want to be a part of, and I feel like you should be a part of. I mean, that, that's me advocating for, for the business side of Philcraft Survival, but it's also for me advocating for just come hang out with us. Come to our Go Rigs and Coffee this winter when we're just drinking coffee and talking about rigs and, and shooting the shit. Come to the mobility experience. Come to the international travel course. Come do rad stuff with amazing people and be part of something with purpose. That, that's the entire point. It, it's certainly given, given me that for the great employees that I have that work for me. It's certainly done that for them. And I just encourage you to look at it. Give it a try. Give it an old try. Um, what else we got going on? Man, I'll be leaving on a massive round the country trip really soon to train Goldendale, Washington at Cerebus Training Group in Goldendale. Greg Anderson's group up in PNW headed down to Carlsbad, California to train with a SWAT team. Headed down to Route 66, where I'll be training pistol uh, and being part of their event. Flying to Arkansas, where I'll be part of the Arkansas Tactical Officers Association, which is going to be real cool. Hope to catch up with a lot of good people and to talk about training officers, which would be really fun. And then I'm off to talk to Benchmade, which is going to be awesome. Um, a lot of rad stuff going on in the near future. Now, all of that's going to be on a road trip. You guys have been asking me, and I've been kind of slow rolling the content because I don't have the truck in my possession, but I'm building the ultimate go rig, the ultimate bug out platform. If you're like me and you're middle-aged and <laughs> you got a bad back, you want to be comfortable when you're overlanding. Uh, I want you to wrap your head around this idea that the vehicle that you utilize is an extension of your capacity, which can increase your capability. What I mean by that is I have a training tourniquet here, a training tourniquet. This is a blue training tourniquet. This training tourniquet is what I would have on my person, in my pocket, in my uh, fanny pack, which I have one in my fanny pack. And this is... EDC, it should be EDC for everybody. But if I have a car, let's say you have a Honda Civic, which I certainly have had a hundred of them, you have a trunk, you have a center console, you have a glove box, you have an empty seat that should have a panel pack from Philcraft Survival. That's an extension of your capacity or your space. So would you not upgrade your technical skill sets by including more equipment? that will upgrade your situation. So if you have this in your pocket, 
which is one tourniquet, and you have four extremities, unless you've lost one, then you would have a first aid kit, a stop the bleed kit, a more robust kit for mass casualties or your family that's vehicle-centric in your vehicle. That's the whole point of increasing your overall capacity. So what I thought about is, if I have a rig, what's the criteria for me to bug out? Well, one, you have to have a plan. It's one of the reasons we're introducing bug out planning, which is going to be the first one of courses in the first quarter of this year, where we're teaching four courses every month in Hebrew City, four courses every month, hopefully in Dallas, Texas, once we get it sorted, and four courses every month in North Carolina. That's a promise from Phil Craft Survival. That's our training plan. We are bringing training to Heber City and Spanish Fork in Utah every single weekend and responsible citizen every Wednesday for free, which we've been doing for, for years, and that's our promise. But bug out planning is an actual thing you need to go through. It's the academics of understanding how to plan a bug out. Now, what's the ultimate bug out rig? Depends on where you live. Depends on your family. The reason I went with a Ford F-350 is because I couldn't find a Dodge. That's the God honest truth. If I could have found a Dodge at a reasonable price, I would have bought a Dodge because I'm a Mopar guy. I like Dodge. Um, even though I've got probably 30 grand in my transmission on my Dodge alone, I like Dodge. Now, I decided to get a Ford F-350 because of the low capacity. Why is low capacity important? If you buy a Toyota Tacoma, how much capability do you actually have? Because how much load can you carry in your Toyota Tacoma? That's a great question. Well, it's not much. Just taking a shot in the dark, I think it's like 1,500 pounds. That's not a lot. What happens beyond the limit of weight on your vehicle? Which, by the way, doesn't just include what's in your truck bed, but it includes like your bumpers, all the equipment you put into it. You start exceeding your load capacity or your load cap very quickly. And so I wanted to have plenty of space, so I got a 350. That F-350, I can carry 4,000 pounds without compromising wear and tear on the brakes, the safety and suspension and road, road safety equipment on that truck. And I never had to uh, think about it. So I linked up with John from Roaming Lost, and I said, man, I want to build the ultimate bug out rig. What do you recommend? Now, Roaming Lost, John is doing this for recreation. I also will be doing this for recreation, but also I train SWAT teams. When I show up, I have to have ammo, all my kit, night vision, uh, body armor, guns, all the whole gamut. That's hundreds and hundreds of pounds that I have to have. So I need to be able to put it in the vehicle, not exceed low capacity, and keep it lockboxed. So John's like, go with Bowen Customs. It's a flatbed system that's made of aluminum, where you can have locks and keys to keep all your stuff safe, but you could have the outside of your truck bed, essentially. I mean, it's, it's a flatbed system, but it's a truck bed that allows you to have external access, which changes the game. Now I could go to the back of my truck, not just depend on one way of exiting or, or putting stuff in via the truck bed. I can go to a drawer system. I mean, I can do, go to a lot of drawers in that system. I think it's six on each side or something like that with an 18-inch gap because I went with a nine-foot bed, an 18-inch gap right behind the rear passenger quad cap. So all aluminum, less than 900 pounds, and it's set up to drop in a camper. 
So I'm picking it up on Sunday. We're driving it back on Monday. And then I'll have it here to load out to go to Yakima, Washington to get all of the Scout camper setup installed into the truck. Because I'm going to make this trip with that Scout camper, with all my stuff, and show you guys how to build the ultimate bug out rig. Now, I'm missing Carly suspension because I have to get the dry and loaded weight of the rig itself because I want to tune, fine tune the suspension. I got to get wheels and tires, which we're still shopping for. Uh, hopefully, get some Toyos on there. And then I get all, get, get all the accessories. I need to get ham radio, all that stuff. But I will be focusing and distilling a lot of my content in the future around mobility. Now, you don't have to have an expensive truck to be able to have the capacity. So expect me to talk about like, hey, this is my situation, but what's your situation? How can you compare and contrast? I have a Subaru WRX in my front yard. That Subaru WRX cost me $7,500 online. So not very expensive compared to my big truck that's very expensive, but you could build it out the same with survival, first aid, and all the bug out contingencies in mind. And that's the kind of content that I'm going to be bringing to you because it's super, super, super important. Something else you'll be seeing from me in the future is a whole bunch of content around making my rounds to Black Rifle Coffee, which to me is like a fire base operating in a geographical location to give you the good news and communicate to you about what preparedness is. On 25 November, I'll be going to San Bernardino to Route 66 Sports Shooting Park to host a survival seminar, a dinner, and a raffle, all for charity, going to Warriors Heart Foundation. Tom Spooner, the founder of Warriors Heart Foundation, we donate every year to that cause. It's an important cause helping guys who are dealing with post-traumatic stress and uh, addiction issues. And through a comp comprehensive uh, program. Come see me that date, which is 25 November. And I believe I'm teaching the following day, running a pistol course on the 26th of November. Please come out and see me. It's $50 for the dinner, but you get a raffle ticket as well. And you can buy more raffle tickets on site. And I'll be raffling a lot of the stuff that I got for the tomb of the unknown soldier gym that's being built. Like I did a video of me like grabbing the gun and flipping it around for the first time. Very funny to see and read people's comments on that. I mean, I got 20,000 thumbs down on that video, but it also got 17, 18 million views and like 300,000 thumbs up. A lot of people debating, saying this dude's not a tomb guard. Oh man, I know you can't, yeah, you can't even give him time, but I, I ensure you I was a guard at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. You know how I could prove it? Look at this whack tattoo. I mean, people would say this is fake. Look at this. That's a tomb guard tattoo on my arm that I got when I was like 18 years old. Don't recommend that, especially because it says freedom jizzn't free. It looks like freedom jizzn't free. It's supposed to be freedom isn't free, but the tattoo artist was, uh, I, I'm pretty sure he was drunk when he did that tattoo. So I ensure you I was a guard at the Tomb of the Unknowns, but I go on this trip and the Tomb of the Unknowns is an amazing and epic place to visit. Everybody should go. I mean, if you want to see hollowed grounds, you want to be humbled, you want to understand in a glimpse what duty, honor, and selfless sacrifice is, go to Arlington National Cemetery, go to the Tomb of the Unknowns, and watch the changing of the guard. I was there reminiscing and found one of the guards that allowed me to go downstairs 
and get a tour of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Uh, it's the guard quarters that I grew up in. I lived there for two years, and I was a Tomb Guard trainer for a year. Uh, I did a Tomb Guard inspection, which is the video you see on my YouTube, at Mike Glover Actual, and pretty cool. But then I get a tour of the quarters, and I realize like, a lot of the quarters are run down. It hasn't changed in 20-something years that I've been there, and some of the equipment is run down. The cabinetry uh, on the cabinets, the gym is completely ran down. And Arlington National Cemetery doesn't allow the tomb guards to go out into the cemetery to do physical training. Now, there's a reason for that. I don't know what it is. We got to do that. But that means they have to work out basically in a dungeon. I mean, it's like a firefighter schedule, right? So you work 24 hours in a shift, and they work out in a, a couple hundred square foot room in the basement underneath the catacombs of this memorial uh, or memoriam place. Uh, that's the auditorium, right? So I went down there and was like, man, all this equipment's worn out. This isn't right. So I made a couple phone calls and got a hold of Bert Soren from Sornex and Sornex Outdoors. And Bert said, yeah, man, we could design something. In 24 hours, Bert had a design for me. Then we were like, man, how can we pay for this? So we put it out on social media that we were going to raise money for a raffle. Great, amazing companies reached out and said, hey, Mike, we will give you this equipment. Thank you to uh, John Lovell from Warrior Poet Society for hooking me up with some stuff and all the other companies that stepped up to the plate to say, hey, we will support this cause. It's an important one, and this is impactful. So they reach out, and we make sure that we say we're going to get this paid for. We don't expect anything for free, and we want to support Bert Soren's business as well. And it's going to be expensive. Gary Sinise's foundation reaches out to us and says, hey, we've been looking to support a cause. Give us the details. And after all the details are said and done, the Gary Sinise Foundation is paying for it. So expect me to do something for the Gary Sinise Foundation and expect to see content on that, especially around the history of the Tomb of the Unknowns. What an amazing effort. What an amazing cause. What an amazing thing that happens when people who have positivity in mind want to come together to help people. You get all these naysayers, you get all these negative people, who cares? Do you and do positive things in the world and give back and and it will sort itself out. I don't have any energy to focus on any other negativity. It's a promise that I made to myself, but it's also a promise I made to you guys. We're not going to focus that on on that anymore. We have too many hearts and minds to win and too many perspectives to change and too many positive things to do to give back. And that will be our focus. That will be our only focus. Our only focus. Guys, I still have Neil Curry on my mind. We put together with a team from Black Rifle Coffee, big shout out to Evan Hafer, uh, Logan, JT, Matt Best, Jericho, Baker, all the guys at Black Rifle Coffee. We put together Neil's blues uniform from Ranger Battalion served three tours of duty overseas in combat is a patriot an amazing responsible citizen doing amazing things for his community and his family and man what an amazing person man what an amazing person I I don't know what support his family needs I'm there so is my company but um check out Neil Curry his legacy check out Casey, uh, his family. And if there's any support that you could offer, please do that. Even if it's just a word of an encouragement saying we're here, 
to make sure that you're taken care of. That helps. Rest in peace, Neil Curry. I love you, man, and I'll miss you. Till next time, guys. Peace.